Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 416.5, recorded on Sunday, July 9th, 2023. Getting an early start, I'm Moss. Playing at being a mechanic again, I'm Joe. Shaking off the flu, but Texas bound, I'm Bill. Trying to relax, I'm Majid. In our innard section, we talk browsers, and finally the feedback and a couple of suggestions. Let's move on to Linux innards. Okay, in this week's episode, we're going to get into web browsers. What are their differences, similarities, and which ones to keep your eye on? I'm going to let you guys fight over this stuff. I don't know anything. <laughs> well, when I first wrote this, I, when I started writing this up, I thought, okay, because I, I didn't get to this as quickly as I wanted to, but I thought, what is a good way to categorize these things? And I suppose technical people probably ought to talk about what they, you know, the, the basic difference between one browser and another is the uh, engine that they're built upon. And then beyond that, it's it's all about uh, the things that are stacked up on top of that to make them, you know, a little bit user friendly for people or uh, have functionality that one might have more than the other. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a good way of a uh, because I remember we were discussing this on the uh, the live stream yesterday. How you know how how is the best way to kind of uh, divide them up and categorize them. And there's something in medicine that if you don't know the answer to something, categorize. And yeah. so, yeah. And so the three main categories uh, are Blink, Gecko, and um, uh, WebKit. But we'll go into that a bit more in detail, won't we? So um, Blink and is a Blink. browser engine uh, developed as part of the Chromium project with contributions from Google, Meta, Microsoft, Opera Software, Adobe, Intel, IBM, Samsung, and others, first announced in April 2013. Now, so, Joe, tell us what browsers work on Blink. Well, there are several. Um, now, when I saw that Bill was not feeling well and uh, wasn't going to be able to fill out the show notes the way that he wanted to, I kind of switched this to a roundtable style, so hopefully everybody can get in and talk about what they know where they know something. So um, the first one that I had wanted to talk about was um, Google Chrome, um, which is my browser of choice just for... Boo! <laughs> Get it out of here! <laughs> and I don't have to worry about web pages um, not working. Now, I know the problems with Google tracking everything, but this is the world we leave, live in, and I think it's just going to get worse from here. The reason um, web pages it. don't work on other browsers is that Google has preempted the code and they are not using the standards that were set out. Uh, everything else is surprising at all. Everything else is using all the standards. So this is why pages won't load on Firefox. It'll ro load on Chrome because Chrome broke the the whole code. But then everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon and said, okay, since everybody's using Chrome, and even the biggest, I mean, the browser that 900% of the, 
of the people that are using a computer or using Windows. What's Windows come with? Well, it comes with Edge. What's what's Edge built on, Bill? Well, it's built on Chromium, isn't it? So let's just develop develop <laughs> all of our software and change, optimize though. for uh, the Chromium engine, which is Blink. That, that's a recent change, though, the, the switch to the Chromium backend. So, yeah. uh, I mean, before that, Internet Explorer didn't really. But, I'm not uh, even no, sure I what use... that ran on. <laughs> yeah, its own thing. Yeah. Now, um, I, I use Chrome because just of how useful it is. Um, I do use several extensions with Chrome, which I think add a lot to the functionality. Um, I also know that several of the extensions that I use have been banned over the years for various nefarious reasons. They are basically like malware, adware, or whatever, and you don't find that out until later on, or it starts out not being that way, and then they make changes to it that make it that way. Um, some of the extensions that I, I use are um, an equalizer to equal out, equal out all the noise. Uh, dark mode extension, which I no longer need because uh, dark mode is now built into Chrome. A uh, PIA extension for when I cannot use a VPN for absolutely everything, I will make sure that it's available to use in Chrome. Um, uh, Plex Speed extension, um, which uh, really works with like all videos. Uh, so it will, it, you can like up to double the play speed of videos, but it does interfere with YouTube speed control. Um, now, I also use like uBlock Origin, which I know makes me a bad person because it takes money away from creators. Um, now, there are others in there that I also use, but um, these are the ones that I, I, I use the most. Other, I also use um, Chrome Remote Desktop, which is a recent thing for me, and I was going to include a lot more about it in, in, in the show notes and talk about it this show. But really, um, you know, thinking about it, from the last time I talked about it, there really isn't anything that I want to add. Now, um, Chrome is also the basis for like Chrome OS, which is on Chromebooks. So uh, it's like user share has gone up, I think like 63% of all browsers that are regularly in use or Chrome or something like that. Now, um, for me, I also use like Chrome on my phone and that's simply because my history from anywhere that I use Chrome it is automatically on my phone and my bookmarks just get moved over to my phone with it so I don't have to worry about also adding them in there. So Chrome was the browser that I initially uh, first got into. You know, everybody had Internet Explorer back in the day. Everybody hated Internet Explorer back in the day. Um, some people who are a bit more on the bleeding edge went on over to Netscape Navigator and then from then on went on to Mozilla Firefox. Me, um, I was kind of uh, really, uh, it was around the time when Chromium, sorry, Chrome came out back in 2008, 2009, something like that, that I, I got into it. And I thought it was brilliant. I liked the way that it was quick. I liked the way that it was, uh, the syncing, the bookmarks, everything like that. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then I did the same thing as you, like I used it because then not long after that, Android came and, you know, Chrome was kind of, you know, uh, really pushed to the fore as the browser. And I liked the syncing and all that sort of stuff. And it's grown massively to the extent that I would say that it is, it's the Internet Explorer of our times. You know, it's got such a massive market share. And even the ones that um, 
even if you haven't got Google Chrome, you've probably got a Blink-based uh, browser. So, you know, it's got a almost monopoly, you know. Um, as time went on, I really, you know, and as I started getting more and more into free and open source and the concepts of free and open source, I started finding uh, ideological problems, shall we say, with Chrome and the tracking and all that sort of stuff. And I know... Um, I've heard the usual things. If you've got nothing to hide, then what's the worry? Or, you know, you're going to get trapped anyway, so what's the point? I just, it, as I said, it just didn't sit right with me. And so um, maybe about seven, eight years ago, uh, I moved off from Chrome. Um, I do uh, now, I got the, I was, as I mentioned in my innards, I used to have a, uh, sorry, it's the wandering, sorry. I used to have a Pixel 7. And, on the Pixel 7, however much you try, you can't get rid of Chrome. You know, it's always kind of there. It's always the default, you know. Um, it's not as difficult to change uh, browser like it is changing Edge on Windows 11. You know, trying to change that is like, you know, you have to sacrifice a goat or something on midnight you know, on a full moon. It's the only way you're going to manage to get rid of that default. Um but yeah, it's it's not actually as performant as it used to be. It seems to have got a lot more bloated. Uh, it does take quite a lot of memory uh, in a way that it didn't uh, in the past. And so I didn't kind of see any um, compelling reason to move back. I suppose if I used yeah. a Chromebook, I suppose if I used a Chromebook, then I remember my son got a Chromebook and I put Firefox on it and then felt like, right, it was kind of like, why did I bother getting a Chromebook if I was going to put Firefox on it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, so so that's oh. fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's more of a, but yeah, it's not as good as it was, I feel. Bill and I were actually having um, uh, this conversation earlier about the early days of uh, Chrome and um Firefox, which is a little bit older, uh, but uh, w there was a time when I would switch back and forth between Chrome and Firefox over a several month period because Chrome would start hogging all your RAM or really slowing down your processor or whatever else, and then you'd switch over to Firefox for a while because it was currently working better and, and more streamlined, and then something would happen and they'd make a change to Firefox, and it would end up not working correctly, and so you'd switch back to Chrome because they would have fixed whatever issue it was that was causing it to eat up so much RAM. Now, most of my machines these days have a minimum of 8 gigabytes of RAM, and usually um, 16 or 32, so I don't worry about that as much. Now, I will say that recently, I don't know if it's a change at Facebook itself, or if it's a change on Chrome, but Facebook has been running like dog crap just super slow and really annoying on any machine that I'm on other than my phone which granted for Facebook is not using um, Chrome so I might might switch back to, to Firefox for a while and see how well that works but that might be a bit of a pain at this point considering how you know engulfed I am in in the uh, Google experience <laughs> let me ask you this though if uh, Google didn't drop the sync support for Chromium. Would you use that instead of Google Chrome proper? 
No, um, I, I do talk about that some in, in the Chromium section coming up. So let's okay. let's save that for just a second and, and get out the rest of any, what anybody else wants to talk about on Chrome. Going once. How about you, Moss? Twice. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, um, Moss, I mean, Moss's it, it, answer it, is I don't use it. Yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. Unless I, you know, it. I admire people that stick to their, Absolutely. I really do. I admire oh, people that stick I'd to. I'd love to be that. I'd love to be able to do that, but sometimes, sometimes you just get tired. And I know that this is always an issue with uh, fast stuff, you know, free and open source. You know, you do have to deal with the general jank and sometimes randomness and like we've yeah. been experiencing today with the, you know, the audio. And there's other times when you're just like, look, you know what? I just want to get this sorted and I can't be bothered organizing this, that and the yeah. other, blah, blah, blah. Can we just do it? And actually, um, is, and, you know, um, interestingly, the MacBook that I bought is the only device where I, if I need just to get something done, I can be sure it's going to work on. I mean, obviously, the Windows machine won't because win Windows is even worse than Linux. At least Linux, you can vaguely figure stuff out. Windows is just an amorphous mess. Um, um, not, and this is, by the way, not a, uh, I'm not advocating the use of Mac OS. I've just found it, um, refreshing that I don't actually have to do any farting around to get just simple things to work. Um, anyway, but uh, I, yeah, I'm supposed to ranting a bit now. Things. Oh yeah. Only simple things. I'm not talking about like anything that actually of any import. Um, you know, I'm just talking about like, why will my bank website not work on anything else type yeah. of thing? Um, yeah. but anyway, yeah, I'm ranting on, um, and this is only the beginning. Oh dear! We were right, just right. telling everybody about your your uh, love for Chrome and Chromium Moss, and use it every day. He's on BS detector. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chromium. Now, now Chromium is um, basically I don't want to call it like a fork of Chrome, but essentially what they did in the beginning. It's of the Chromium other way around, the, actually. Yeah, I was, was going to say. Um, Chromium was the original know. project, and then they uh, added right. the proprietary stuff to make it's, it Chrome. There's just bits sitting okay. on top that but are that are Chrome. The point, the point that I was uh, getting to was that Chromium is Chrome with all of the proprietary stuff removed. Hopefully. We hope. We hope. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, um, now I used to use, uh, Chromium a lot, um, especially back when I was doing a lot more with like the Raspberry Pis and SPCs, um, and there was really no version of Chrome, uh, for ARM available at the time. Um, now it did, you, like I was saying, it used to allow you to use your Chrome account and, and load all the same extensions and import all the bookmarks and everything else, um, I, I, and I have not used it in a while, and that, from what I remember, that changed um, a couple of years ago. They made it so that uh, Chromium and Chrome could not use, uh, or maybe you could use the same account, but it wouldn't load everything in or something They like removed that. their Chrome functionality to sync all of your bookmarks and your extensions to history, your Google account, your, your history and everything, okay. because they wrongly assumed that everybody that was building a browser off of Chromium was using their backup uh, technology instead of their own, which was ex absolutely not the case, because every single one of them, Vivaldi and Edge, right from the very beginning, used their own sync technology. So... It was just that, I mean, it was a, 
some imagined uh, use case where they thought they had to keep that locked away so people wouldn't use the Chromium thing to make some other browser. But that's that's the reason they did that. Now, I know that there's also like a, a Chromium OS, but I really don't know how far along that is, and I've never used it. Um, but I'm assuming that it's a drop-in replacement for like Chrome OS if you're looking. Yeah, for it's a, but it's a, it's a right ball leg to try and get it to you to use. Yeah, I've yeah. tried it. They okay. they came out with Chromium in 2009, so it's been around for a while. Chromium OS. Don't they have yeah. a Chrome OS <laughs> Flex that you can? Install? Yeah, they, they have that now. They have that now. Okay. So so the idea is that, uh, as I understand it, Chromium OS is the uh, the best way that I understood it was uh, like Android. You have the Android open source project, and then you have Android as it comes out with e from each of the manufacturers, <clears throat> right? Um, and so uh, the Chromium has that same kind of model. You've got Chrome, uh, sorry, you've got Chromium as a browser, Chromium OS, and these become Chrome and Chrome OS later. Now, yes, you can. Um, it is possible to install Chromium OS on a uh, device, but it is a real, I found it a real ball ache, frankly. Now, yes, again, recently, um, Google has come out with Chrome Flex, because basically what they, I don't know if they've thought in this way, but it seems like they've looked at and got, well, plenty of people have got old machines that they're getting rid of, uh, but hey, we will give you this operating system that you can use on your, five six seven year old laptop and it will make it good just like new again reminds me of another option <laughs> yeah yeah that the, the, and the, you the won't have to learn linux yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and so now i've seen a couple of reviews of it and it's uh, you know it's kind of what you'd expect actually you know it's a desktop which isn't optimized for any particular hardware it just works on everything it doesn't have the same um, driver support that Linux does and so uh, I think people have tried Chrome OS flex on certain machines and they're supposed to be supported but like the Wi-Fi doesn't work or something and now that's a big thing I and mean, you've got a, a device like that which depends on an internet connection yeah. um, but um, yeah so I think that's the best way to kind of think about it I like chromium uh, Chromium, I, my, my, the first one that I used to get it off Google Chrome was Chromium because I could still use my Google account and syncing and stuff like that. And then it's only when I decided that I wasn't going to use a Google account anymore. Not that I haven't I managed to get rid of it because I've still got bloody Android after all. But um, uh, <laughs> so, you know, have, it's like Godfather 3, isn't it? However much you try, they suck you back in. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, it, so it misses some of the proprietary things like DRM and codecs and things, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I actually um, have that listed in some of the notes here um, mm -hmm. about the features that it lacks in, in comparison to Chrome, which is um, the automatic browser updates, API keys for some Google services, uh, the browser syncing of history, the, the Widevine DRM, and then there are certain like um, audio codecs and uh, video codecs that it doesn't come with. And then uh, it's also supposed to be missing the tracking for usage and the crash reports. I mean, the th one of the things I like a lot about, oh, let me rephrase that. If I've got a progressive web app, I always use either Chromium or Chromium-based browser because yeah, it just works yeah. a lot better. Ironically, actually, um, I know we haven't got to it yet. 
the best I found for progressive web apps was Microsoft Edge, actually, um, which is uh, which surprised me. I, I don't know, maybe it's just um, we'll get to that I later, Magic. Yeah, but we'll, yeah. but we'll get to that. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. As a continuation of the discussion of Chromium, um, it is one of the browsers that I used to use to um, basically have a second installation of Chrome so that um, I could use a different account for different things and not mm -hmm. have the, the two attached to each other. That mm -hmm. and I used to use Canary. I don't know if you guys ever used Canary, but um, it was the Chrome beta version. There's Actually, it was more version. than that, wasn't it? Because there was there was Chrome Beta, and then there was Chrome Canary, wasn't it? It's like the dev version, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there were some things that would occasionally end up broken on it, but it was also another great way to have a, a separate browser that was completely separated and had its own um, accounts attached to it. Um, that's really all I got on, on Chromium. What about you, Bill? I see you got some stuff there. Well, I think... Uh... Chromium is like my go-to for very specific purposes. I have um, a couple of use cases uh, because, well, okay, whether you like it or not, many of the projects that we uh, use test on, and therefore sometimes functionality is uh, more reliable uh, when you use a Chromium browser for certain tasks. Uh, Nextcloud, for example, seems to work better with uh, Chromium, and uh, the uh, software, well, the web-based software that we use to create the video stream for uh, for the show seems to run better on uh, Chromium-based browser, just because that was what the developer tested on, or what he what he optimized for, and in his opinion, and I have to I have to believe him because he would know more than I would that uh, the Chromium audio video stack is much more mature and usable for stuff like this than Firefox is. Um, so what I'll usually do is I'll create like a, we talked about before Chromium has a good infrastructure good tooling for creating uh, progressive web apps which is something that Firefox just kinda uh, blew off some time ago. It was built into Firefox. You can get extensions to make that work now, but it's it is a right ball ache to get up and going. And the rea reliability of them, you know, it's something you're constantly updating, constantly tweaking with. With Chromium, it just works, and it creates a uh, creates an application. It's sitting right there in your uh, application uh, menu. On the desktop and it creates a, a shortcut on your desktop as well so I mean there is that um, so I have uh, I have web apps progressive web apps made for each one of the shows control rooms for video ninja and they're completely that the other thing about that is they all have their own uh, browser profile meaning they're they're saving all the all the caching and all of the uh, uh, settings that you that you do on these particular browser instances they're siloed off to each one of these that's the other benefit to doing that because sometimes you'll have some things set up in a way for one use case that might not be the best way of handling it on another 
So it works good for, in my case, mostly Video Ninja and then uh, Nextcloud. That's the two things I've got running on Chromium right here in front of me. And then everything else is on Firefox. Um, but yeah, that's just what it is for me. It's just those few things that seem to run better. Look, I'm I'm as much of an open source, if not more of an open source sort of vigilante than uh, most people. You know, I will use the open source thing, the thing that is uh, developed in an ethical manner. I will use that if I can before anything else. But I'm just pragmatic enough to know that I've still got to get this thing done. And if it works better over here on this other thing, then, well, it just works better over here on this other thing. So I'm going to use that other thing because in my mind, especially when it comes to these shows, and the reason I started using Chromium for the Video Ninja is it just, I think that creating works. this show, it works, and creating this show for the people that enjoy watching this show, you know, has got to mean more to me than my own desire to use nothing but Firefox. I mean, that's that's not me condescending anybody. That's just kind of how I worked it out in my head because, to be honest, I, I was... Firefox came with Linux Mint, and it was the only thing I had installed, and I wasn't going to do anything else, no matter what anybody told me. But it, you know, once I tried it and see, saw how good it was, I was like, uh, you know, it's at some point you got to say, yeah, it is what it is. Let's use the tools that we have available to us. And the truth is, it is it is open source. You don't have to put any bookmarks on it that's going to lead Google to all of your. And if and if what you believe about Google is true anyway, then it doesn't really matter because they own you anyway. So there you have it. But uh, like I said, Chrome, Chromium for me has a very specific use case. I do not use Chrome anymore. I was using Chrome for a while there, and then when I updated to the latest version of uh, Mint, I I didn't go through the process of installing the uh, the PPAs or whatever it is that when you install the Deb, I just didn't do it because between Chromium and Firefox, I'm able to get everything done. So, uh, and then there are others that we'll get to here in a minute. But uh, yeah, that's my that's my nickels worth of uh, free opinion that nobody asked for. Okay, let's try a different browser, Microsoft Edge. Edge was initially built in 2014 with Microsoft's own proprietary browser engine, Edge HTML, and their Chakra JavaScript engine. And then in late 2018, they switched to Chromium slash Blink Engine. It was a wise okay, choice. Well, <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, Microsoft Edge, what can you say about that? It's the uh, most used browser for installing Chrome. It's a good browser. I'm sorry, but it is. <laughs> no, it is. Um, now, I, I use this for work because um, some of the sites that I go to um, require it. Now, I still use Chrome where I can, but, um, you know, th this is installed. It does come up quite often because, well, Windows wants you to. And, and, and it, it's hard-coded in a lot of places, and you just plain can't get rid of it. It works as far as I can tell, but, I, you know, I haven't seen anything exceptional about it. Um, the Chromium backend, you know, really does give it a familiar feel. 
but it is so heavily skinned that I'm not sure um, that that is much of an impression or if it's just because I know that it's chromium on the back end. But um, like I said, it, it, I, I, I click certain links at work and it will come up and then, you know, there's other links where it says we must be using Chrome to make this work. So it automatically will go from, um, or we must be using Edge to make this work. So it will automatically go to Chrome. Now I think um, 10 and 11 both have um, Edge installed, but then they also have Internet Explorer installed because for the longest time, there were some things that just plain would not run on Edge when they were first developing it. And so some things would end up defaulting back to um, Explorer. So, uh, but I, I'm not quite sure. Well, the thing about having IE still in is all about the backwards compatibility. Because some old applications are still using, like, IE guts to display certain things or to interact with the web in some archaic ways. Yeah, I've, I've seen that with um, NHS systems. We still have an Internet Explorer for a couple of the uh, reporting, you know, blood reports and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I'm sure when the next time there is a big migration and change, it'll all go to Edge or Chromium or whatever back end. But till then, yeah. So it's always kind of hidden on, you know, it's it's always there. You just never know it until you come across one of these websites that needs it. Yeah. And that's why when you install, uh, the same thing when you install, like, uh, Wine on, on Linux, it's got a, it's got this invisible IE browser uh, sort of replacement. And that's, mm -hmm. that it serves the exact same purpose. It's there so that an application has a uh, workable path if it needs to access and display web-based content. So there's that. Yeah. I, um, but I, I've i got Edge installed. Do I use it very much? I, when it comes to like Microsoft-y stuff like Game Pass for the kids and, you know, dealing with their uh, school accounts, which are all Microsoft-based Outlook and all that, and I don't even bother futzing around with anything else when it comes to that. I'll just get Edge out because I know that's going to work, and and it does. The thing about Edge, what I've noticed, is it gives you the benefits of Chrome and the Microsoft, the Google and the Microsoft ecosystem, because it's, it'll sync to both of them if you want it to it by default it just syncs to your microsoft account but you and can turn you on the track by both of them. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly what difference does it make one's selling to the other anyway so yeah. um but yeah you can you can turn on the sync functionality in both of those yeah no i agree with that i would i would agree with that actually so I could see how some people would probably like that because if you've got this, if you need both of these ecosystems, but you want to have one place where you can consume both of them, I, I think it would be a nightmare. But, you know, I'm sure I'm not the use case that Edge had in mind anyway. So, but uh, like I said, I've got it. Oh, and it's on my Windows VMs because I don't, the, the Windows VMs have very specific purposes uh, and I really don't need to fill it up with a lot of software just to do what I need done with those and then move on. So it's on there. Um, 
and it's okay. It runs great. It's about as bloat as you would expect out of a out of a browser that's basically two browsers in run in one. I mean, you yeah, it's basically Chrome on the bottom, but you know that Microsoft adds a lot of bits to it to you know make it something consumable in their space. You know, which you wouldn't have got away with that in the old days if you'd have made a browser that was that uh, bloated it would have ran like garbage and people wouldn't have liked it. But now people, your average machine's got, I think the cheap ones at Walmart right now are like 8 gig of RAM and 4 cores and what have you. So it's not as much of an issue. And I think it gets taken advantage of quite a bit. But yeah, that's my that's my edge. So as I was saying, I... I have a, a specific use case for it as well, and that's the progressive web apps. As you know, it seems to work quite well uh, in that. Um, I actually did used to use the Edge before um, the Chromium change because it was actually very good for inking. Um, so I, I remember around that time I was buying a house and I was getting loads of PDFs and um, you know having to sign loads of documents electronically and stuff like that, and it worked really well for, with that actually um and even uh when they moved over to the chromium back end there was a little drop off in that kind of performance but now they've got back up to where they were and so it's um ironically i actually use it for a bit of pdf management it's got a good pdf viewer it's got a good you know cut and paste stuff as i said signing things seems to work all right um i don't like the fact that i'm using it for that but you know i feel a bit dirty when i do it but you know it does work quite well the performance is reasonable um i would say as i said it's been a while since i've used chrome properly so maybe my uh a maybe my expectations are a bit off but it seemed reasonable i mean you know if especially when it's working on windows i mean you know if microsoft can't optimize their browser for their own operating system and the hardware with their hardware vendors then i mean i don't know what else they you know they should just go home otherwise isn't it um the syncing as bill mentioned uh works really well um parental controls actually works quite well as well if you've got it on uh, kids devices the mobile apps at least for android anyways again are okay you know um uh, it is apparently the worst for privacy. Um, I mean, it will literally send all your keystrokes uh, to Microsoft uh, in telemetry, not just like, you know, the actual sentences or the things you're searching for, but literally the M and the E and the T or whatever. Um, and yeah, you know, Microsoft make it really difficult for you to uh, uninstall it, which actually I'm a bit... If it had a larger market share, I'm sure you know monopolies commission or whatever would have something to say about that but because it doesn't i don't think you know they're that bothered but yeah i mean you know it's i mean if anybody's ever tried trying to uninstall edge or just even changing your um default browser from edge to whatever um there's a lot of hoops you need to jump through and it's not like it's um this is uh unknown stuff there's plenty of youtube videos out there explaining what you know uh, how much of a problem this is, and Microsoft just don't care. Which, well, I suppose, Microsoft is the Hotel California browsers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I suppose, you know, Newsflash, billion-dollar company wants to make more money and doesn't want you to use other people's stuff. I mean, you know, who would have guessed it, eh? Uh, 
Um, yeah, so that's all I've got to say about um, Edge. I think I, thinking back to the times when I was using nothing but Windows, um, and then Netscape come along, and that was better. And I installed that, but you never had this. You never had this concept like we do over here on on Linux where you install one thing and get rid of the other you know you you installed this new thing but you didn't even bother trying to get rid of the old thing which in those days was internet explorer you know because it just it wouldn't let you you could go into the windows setting and enable and disable windows features and internet explorer would be one of them but then a whole lot of things would stop working correctly I thought that was Netscape Navigator because they also use that to like uh, navigate your file system, and that's why yeah. it's so integrated that you could not get rid of it in order to to use something else. Which is why uh, Microsoft got sued for monopolistic practices. Well, it's another problem with bugs and and with uh, viruses because uh, Microsoft. Uh, Internet Explorer was linked right down into the depths of your system. Yeah, it, it's like root level uh, from a Linux perspective. And if anything gets in, it gets into everything. Because you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have a delineation of, of uh, you know system layers and and uh, application layers the way we do now. Where, which you know, I guess you could argue if you're still installing dev packages you know you're still sort of vulnerable in the same way but yeah i mean ie was down there in the system that's why you had to get into the system settings to you know and you didn't really get rid of it you just disabled it you know um and then other browsers and you didn't even really have this concept of other browsers i remember uh using america online <laughs> in the early 2000 and it came with a browser i suppose you could say god knows what that was built on um but uh it did have that concept within their little gated garden sort of experience you know you did have a web browser but it really you had to go out of your way to go outside of their little ecosystem there um but then when stuff started coming along you know I don't know. It seemed like you were a little bit more vulnerable by using some of that stuff, like the Netscape. And then when Mozilla, I remember when Mozilla came along, you had the Mozilla browser, which was it had the browser and the email client, and I think like a uh, a chat client. It was all that's called Sea Monkey now. Yeah, it's been well, it's been continued on as the Sea Monkey project, and by golly, it still looks exactly the way. The Mozilla project <laughs> did back then, um, and and of course Netscape was kind of the same thing. It felt like Mozilla was kind of a beta for Netscape or something, uh, and then Firefox comes along, and uh, that was just I think that was just browser. Well, Netscape came first, and then uh, AOL bought Netscape, and it got yeah. forked to Mozilla. Anyhow, well, let, let's um, link onto another browser, shall we? Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Um, it's Opera that's up next. Um, uh, you know, I, I have tried to use this in the distant past. <laughs> Opera. Yeah. Um, when I did a lot of uh, browser hopping, it, it was supposed to be more secure and 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 give more freedom. Um, I will say that it has provided some impetus for improving other browser browsers. A lot of innovation came out of Opera, including like the speed dial. 
um, pop-up blocking, reopening recently closed pages, private browsing, tabbed browsing, ad blocking built right in, and um, tracking blocking. Um, I think it was the pop-up blocking and track, track, tracking blocking that first got me to use it. And also in uh, 2016, I went back to using it for a little while because they added a VPN to the browser. Uh, a web proxy, really, but that's what I use when I use um, the PIA VPN on Chrome. Um, and that was appreciated at the time because they were the, the first ones to really do it. Um, but I, I didn't stick with it real long, and I don't remember why. I think it just wasn't mm -hmm. as useful as... Part uh, of it was if, if you were using the free version, you had a quarter of your screen taken up by an ad. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had to pay them. I think it was thirty or thirty-five bucks to to get the pro version. But then they got bought by a large Chinese company, and uh, dun dun dun. They what? the the company dumped the developer team, which went on to produce Vivaldi as a response. So I um, I've uh, I've often gone back to Opera a couple of times. Um, I've used it. Uh, I've used it on my desktops. I've used it on um, mobile. They, had, they actually had a really good um, mo uh, mobile browser called Opera Touch, which was optimized for one-handed use in the times when um, phones could be one-handed, uh, you know, without the size, unless your hands, you know. Now you can only one-hand them if your hands are the size of a gorilla, I think. Um, you got nine fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, few too many cousin marriages um anyway and um <laughs> i can say that mate cousin marriages are all around my family mate <laughs> yeah i got anyway. the same one joe's got and it's yeah yeah and large yeah and so um yeah so anyway back to the point so um i did quite like it um I, I also like that it had integration with WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. So it was kind of, you know, it was very easy to link your WhatsApps and Facebooks to it. Um, and then I just, yeah, it just thank stopped God. being there. It just, yeah, thank God for that. Um, I just stopped using it. And then recently when I heard they were going all AI and uh, integrating chat GPT, I, um, Cryptocurrency I, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried it again, and actually, a couple of the uh, podcasts were, were done on that Opera One Dev browser. Um, obviously, in the in the intervening time, the uh, uh, change in ownership that um, Moss was talking about um, happened, and so I didn't really kind of take that into account. And then when I did look into it, um, I thought to myself, e you know what? It's bad enough I'm selling all my data to Google and Microsoft and whatever. The Chinese Communist Party is probably a step too far, even for me. Um, and so I, um, I, I got rid of it. But Joe's right, actually, in that a lot of the innovations, if you want to put it that way, that we now see as standard in browsers um, started off with Opera. You know, as you say, you know, private browsing, tab browsing, ad blocking, stuff like that, the speed dial. Um, so, you know, it's been an influential uh, browser. And my, uh, I suppose this uh, leads on quite well to the next uh, browser we we're going to talk about, which was uh, Vivaldi, which is 
basically when Opera did get bought by that big Chinese company and dumped the developer team, you know, uh, they made Vivaldi and the emphasis on it is features, features, features and more features. So, you know, you can live inside Vivaldi if you wanted to. Uh, you know, it's got mail, it's got VPNs, it's got, it's got all the Chrome extensions that you can use, but it's calendars, all sorts of things. Has lot, it has some privacy features uh, and ad blocking and tracker blocking and stuff. Still need to make an account um, and you have to agree to a EULA, which is a little bit, but at the same time, it, it, it works really quite well. I've moved over to it actually um, on a lot of my things. I'm, I'm trying to uh, use it as my main browser and um, it works quite well. I, I don't know there's if it works quite well because There's a lot more of a learning curve to it than other browsers though. Yeah, yeah. You do have to spend a bit of time. I and mean, I often wonder actually if the the devs wouldn't be uh well it might be a good project for the devs to make you know um this almost like a chrome os competitor because it, you know it's almost an operating system in of itself you know the amount of features that are there the all sorts of things that you can do um i mean I, i'm pretty sure they're not going to do that but you know so it, it, it and because it's got a chrome back end all the extensions work uh from the web store and stiff stuff so I quite like it. Um, I don't know if I'll keep it, but it, it 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 works. It works all right. Have you guys used it? Negative. I've heard good it, things I've, about it. I've tried it off and on, and it just the, I look at it and the the amount of new stuff to learn just yeah. boggles me. Yeah, yeah it, it, there is a bit of that. There is a bit of that, and I remember it the first is the default that... browser on Farron. Yeah, I, I was, that's the thing I was going to mention, that it seems to, there are certain distros that seem to uh, be putting it as their default browser. Uh, now, who else? Is it Manjaro? Manjaro, another, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think they Which were, was an interesting choice, but... Yeah, yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice as well. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Uh, I suppose the next browser is another one that I know a little bit about, so I, if it's okay, I'll start. Uh, so Brave uh, is privacy and crypto and FOSS. So a lot of the people that are involved in the making of uh, Brave um, have been involved in free and open source. Uh, if I remember correctly, Martin Wimpress, uh, the you know one who made Ubuntu Mate and then worked for Canonical, he was quite involved in the development of Brave. And the idea is that this is a completely privacy-based browser. Uh, you know, ad blocking is on by default. Trackers are blocked. They've got this thing called Brave Shields. Um, it's got syncing, but without an account, which I think is quite cool, actually. You know, so you haven't got, like, your things on a central uh, server somewhere. You know, it's kind of um, almost like a mesh network type of thing. Um, so... In that sense, it's uh, quite cool. Um, I suppose you could think of it as like a private Chromium, but that's not 100% accurate, but it's a good way of thinking about it. Um, I I moved it, uh, I, I tried moving to it as my main browser on all my devices. I just, you know, a blanket. This was about a year or two ago. Um, there's just that bit of jank, that kind of not working at certain points, which is so common of so many Linux and free and open source software uh, projects. That means that it, you know, it's been, I can't rely on it the same way. 
it works quite well with the progressive web apps but only on mobile Mo uh, mobile it seems if i'm if you're using it on the desktop and especially if you're using the snap package then getting a pwa to work is at least i couldn't do it i mean i know i'm a noob but i couldn't get it working um the crypto part of it is so obviously if you're if you're ad blocking and tracker blocking by default how are you going to uh, how are creators going to make any money you know and so their innovative uh, solution to this was to invent their own token uh, the bat token which you then uh give to uh, websites and things that you um uh, want to support and then they made a a wallet uh which was then part of the uh the browser i have never used it i don't know if it's a proper way of monetizing anything um whatever your thoughts on crypto adding another coin is hardly gonna make it go to the moon um well, there so, was a time when everyone was getting all excited about crypto, but uh, we've had yeah. scams for that to hang on. Yeah, everybody was getting excited about crypto, and then they lost ten grand. Not that I'm looking at myself here, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, it it does work. Uh, it works quite well on mobile. Um, as I said, a bit janky on the desktop, and the pro progressive web apps thing is a problem for me personally because there are a couple of uh medical uh progressive web apps that i kind of need um either of you guys uh it's always had very good ratings when it comes to privacy and privacy and security so when you go on these youtube channels or websites which then rank browsers it always comes up quite high up um have, you, have either of you guys used brave i've just never been able to wrap my nope. head around the concept that you can take the chromium engine and then make it into this thing that is safe in that way i mean i'm i'm sure i'm wrong but it's like and then and then all the crypto crap on top of that it's like you know making your breakfast in the bathroom you know it just it doesn't make sense to me i just haven't been able to wrap my head around it i mean the crypto stuff i've completely ignored from the beginning i've never even but, i mean really why go engaged. that route you know what that's, i i, that's I know a strange it doesn't choice make for a for a uh, project that is i mean their whole stick is to separate you the user from all of the uh bad players in the technical I mean, world you know? I, I mean i i think that it's a case of techies uh, uh not realizing the real world is different to the techies world yeah, yeah, so crypt crypto might be a thing that you know maybe maybe uh, enthusiasts might be interested into, but it's not what normal yeah. people do. Generally, you know, if I remember right, um, like you could buy the crypto on there, but you could also earn the crypto on there by yeah. browsing, liking, doing certain things. So you could get it yeah. for free, and then you could decide where that crypto went in order to support um, developers. So it was a good idea, even if, um, you know, it only worked for a small percentage of the population wanting to use it, it still um, added some value to the developers. So, 
the issue then got to be just with crypto itself. At the time they did it, there wasn't as many crypto scams that had been floating around and there weren't all the NFT scams and everything else that's has sort of scared people away from the entire digital currency market. But, um, I mean, also with the variability of the value of, of crypto that has been going on for a while now, and it mostly being down, but that's, you know, your regular stock markets too. But um, it's just, it just doesn't seem like it's adding that value anymore. Maybe they'll, they're just going to quietly try to separate themselves from all that, you know. That'll go down. Wait, 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 those... wait, wait. But it's not like they're making a huge amount of money from it, put it that way. No. So, I mean, you know, they're probably going to have to, you know, if they want to monetize it, they're going to have to think of another way of doing it. Does anybody remember what their coin was called? Because they, like, Bat. had their own coin for it. Bat. Bat. That's what it was. Yeah. All okay, that being like said, the I've never Brave attention token it. or something? Yeah. Brave or attention brave token. Appreciate, appreciation token or attention uh, token? I, I don't remember. I don't know. Uh... Anywho, shall we move on to Amazon Silk? So this is a browser that uses a split architecture where some of the processing is performed on Amazon servers to improve web page loading performance based on open source Chromium. It uses Blink and V8 engines. It's on the Fire tablet, it's on the Fire TV, and on the one Fire phone that used to exist many years ago. It's just a bit pants, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're going to have to explain that terminology yeah. there. Okay, Do rubbish. Rubbish. Okay. Okay. It's just. You're, it's just. You were rubbish for pants. It's well. I mean. Okay. I, I want to point out that in the UK, pants means underwear, not your trousers. Ah. Yeah. It's male underwear. Is I pants. You were rubbish male for underwear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so therefore, it's just pants. It's just rubbish. Okay. <laughs> well, I use this occasionally on my Fire tablet. Um, it it doesn't seem to be any different, except that. It doesn't have all the plugins that you can use in something real. I'll tell you what it's most similar <laughs> to. It's most similar to the AOSP browser. Yeah. If anybody's so, used the AOSP browser on Lineage or something like that, right, that's what it's most similar that's to. That's so really, under- really bad. <laughs> now do you understand why I just put just pants? <laughs> that, is, that is awful. Um, oh. I always got the idea because I've never had a Fire tablet. I do have a lot of Fire TVs and Fire Sticks. And yeah, there it is, and it's really there for the off times when you need a regular browser because the Fire devices are really not meant to consume no. the internet that way, are they? They're, 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 meant, they're to... meant to consume Amazon services. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the Fire Stick. The only times I ever I've ever used the browser on the Fire Stick is so that I could I could download Cody. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And then I found out what the what the what the download. What was it? I started using you download or something like that. Yeah, something. Something like that. Browser built in, and then that was the yeah. And had a a, silk. (laughs) Yeah, it was a blue icon, wasn't it? It Yeah, blue folder icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it would keep track of that, and then it would manage the downloads, and then once you installed the APK, you could get rid of it. And yeah, exactly. So, but then once Jellyfin came along, Cody was out the door and jellyfin you can get on the fire tv store so anyway as you can see i was a hundred percent accurate with my description of just pants 
<laughs> okay, let's move on to KDE Falcon, just because we're already well over three hours, or close to. And we all want to get off of Majid's pants. Yeah, we, we don't want to be in Majid's pants. <laughs> well, Falcon is an interesting one, yeah. because it's um, just so that you understand that uh, QT web engine is kind of a wrapper around uh, around the Blink engine, just to around the Chromium browser core. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know what that means exactly in terms of functionality, but there you go. Take it away, Moss. Well, uh, it is free and open source, so to speak. Uh, both KOS and Open Mandriva LX use Falcon as their default browser. Falcon provides several icon sets and other elements to match the native look and feel of users' desktops operating systems. Some additional features of the browser include the integration of history, web feeds, and bookmarks in a single location, the ability to take a screenshot of the entire page, and an opera-like speed dial homepage. It's reported to consume fewer system resources than the major general-purpose browsers like Firefox and Chrome. Falcon uses the Qt cross-platform application framework and offers a built-in ad block. By default, this ad blocker whitelists the web page of Falcon's main search engine, DuckDuckGo. A portable, no-installation version for Windows platforms exists, and Falcon is also distributed in the portable apps format. That's interesting. But, I mean, I wonder if it's fair to say that it's lighter weight when... In order to install it, I wonder if you gotta like install half of the KDE uh, dependencies. Well, they were talking about the weight in terms of system resources, not in terms of how much space it takes up on the right, drive. Right, but I mean, is it because that it's only using things when it needs to, and it doesn't lap the load? I don't know. It would be it'd be interesting to compare it in a KDE environment as opposed to like installing it on GNOME or or something like that, and see if it if it is the same in terms of uh, resource usage. That being said, I do have it installed because I find it interesting. Um, it's not worked quite as well for me as, uh, as just Chromium by itself, and I don't know what, what that's all about uh, because I don't really understand the QT web engine thing. But uh, it, it, it is well integrated into the, the KDE desktop, uh, because obviously it was it was the continuation of Cupzilla, Cupzilla, yeah, Cupzilla, which was that was a good browser. You know, leaving aside all of the Blink uh, Gecko conversation, and you know, for for a browser that is built into your system, that was a good browser. And then Falcon come along, and it seemed like it was pretty good. The only thing about Falcon is right about the time you think the project is dead meaning there hasn't been an update or even a a, a push blog in, post you know anything <laughs> in in years all of a sudden they'll come out with a new release so it's not real clear how well developed this or you know how well patched this browser is you know because you, you get this idea using linux and hearing people talk about linux that browsers are one of the most and must be one of the most uh aggressively developed pieces of software uh, that we have available to us, but then you look at something like Falcon and it just seems to sit for years and then all of a sudden here's this huge update. So I don't know. We will I, talk I, about I, other such down lower, 
But yeah. I think we've just about worn out Blink. Why don't we go on to Gecko? I can go ahead and read it. Um, uh, so Gecko is the browser engine developed by Mozilla. It is used in the Firefox browser, the Thunderbird email clients, and many other projects. A few examples of browsers that utilize the Gecko web engine include, of course, Firefox. Um, but there are others. Uh, we, anyway. we will get to those after we talk yeah. about Firefox for a while. Right. Go ahead, Joe. Well, uh, Firefox, it's my uh, backup browser, and while I don't use it much, um, I, I did a lot more in the past, uh, hmm. uh, and, and because of its history and its relation to like Netscape Navigator and the fact that it was not controlled by Microsoft anymore, um, I used it before I used Chrome because, well, it existed before Chrome, um, I think. Currently, I use Firefox only for like certain logins that I don't want to attach to my Chrome browser, such as all the uh, Mintcast logins for like the streaming and things like that. Um, I don't save the passwords locally for that one, uh, and I don't want to have to be jumping back and forth between profiles uh, on Chrome because I use it for other things during the show. And um, like also sometimes with Video Ninja. It'll give me trouble on Chrome, and the easiest solution when we're trying to do the show is to jump over to Firefox. <coughs> um, now, I should probably also mention that for a long time, I used Ice Weasel on the Pi, um, which was later rebranded back to Firefox. Um, now, I think I was using it because there was a version that allowed access to the uh, Silverlight Widevine DRM which um, allowed access to streaming services. Um, and I think there was also a problem with Chromium at the time, and it was just easier to use Ice Weasel. But yeah, um, and back in the day, I did switch back and forth between Chrome and Firefox a lot, but we already discussed my reasoning behind and that. And Ice Weasel is no more. Uh, Debian right. has is finally gone full Firefox. Yeah, if you do um, a, a apt install for Ice Weasel, it just installs Firefox, or at least it used to. Bill? Well, Firefox is the one that I try to use the most. Um, I, And that's a relatively recent uh, change for me because I was all in... Um, Chrome just because it seemed to work on everything and I just couldn't be bothered but then uh, uh, when I started getting into the community with the podcasting and, and all of that you know it came you know well I always had Firefox installed I always kept an eye on it I always wanted it to be better you know I just for one reason or another I was putting off switching to it uh, completely and then once I did um it became clear that a lot of the reasons that I was not using it full-time were probably a little overstated because it does work, and it works performantly in 99% of my use cases. There's just this couple of things where Chromium has just pro proven to be slightly more reliable, but for the most part, it's been Firefox, and I'm... I mean that's our gosh that's our beacon of hope isn't it the the browser that is open source is you know on every level that's possible that's actually got some real world backing that's got a pr 
prayer and keeping afloat, you know, in this space. So we want Firefox to be everything it can. That's why I buy my VPN service off of them, you know, and I use, I did play around with the Thunderbird thing here recently too. And I've been watching, I've been using Canine Mail on the phone. Um, kind of watching that slowly, it's slowly turning into basically uh, Thunderbird for Android, which that's fine, the name you know, I suppose. But it still kind of works the same way as it always did. The thing I like about using something like uh, Canine Mail is it gives you the ability which you would think would be a no-brainer, but it only exists in a couple of applications. This ability to completely nuke a uh, inbox in one swell foop, you know. Click the box up here and then delete everything. And that does not exist in uh, your Gmail app or your Outlook app or Yahoo or whatever it is you're using. It exists in the Samsung browser that you can get on Galaxy devices and Canine Mail, and that is the only two places I've found that functionality. So I'm kind of, you know, I I've been kind of full in on that, and I get that from FDroid, by the way, too. On my phone, I use a variant, if you will, of Firefox called, uh, it's called Fennec. I'm not sure. I think I think Moss looked it up once. I'm not sure what the huge difference is between Phoenix and Firefox, except that that is the version of Firefox that you can get from Afteroid. Um, but I've been using that for, uh, I want to say about three years now, and I've not had any problem with it. And that was another thing, kind of forcing myself to start using Firefox on the phone. Um, at first it was something I had to force myself into, and now I'm just kind of used to it. So, Okay, Wikipedia says Fennec was originally just Firefox for mobile, but it is uh, a Libre version of Firefox. Well, I mean, how much more Libre? I, what, what, is, what is it about Firefox that's not Libre enough to be on uh, Afteroid, I wonder? Well, plug-in support was initially disabled by default. That uh, works just fine. I've got, uh, what do you call that one? Uh, Ublock Origin, I've got that running. And apparently the Firefox for Android beta channel is now called Phoenix, F-E-N-I-X. Hmm. Yeah, the only thing I find on Fdroid is just Phoenix, and that's spelled with a C. So there you have it. That's, uh, that's, my, that's my thing with Firefox. So, Firefox. I have a love-hate relationship with Firefox, and I don't know if it's uh, Stockholm Syndrome or what exactly so I um, I'm a contrarian at heart I always like to be the one guy doing something a bit weird and a bit different and so I remember when I was getting fed up of Internet Explorer back in 2006 7 8 people told me about Firefox and how it was fantastic and it had all the extensions and all that sort of stuff and so I promptly decided to use Chrome instead because at that point, Chrome was the new thing that was coming out and this, that and the other. And, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm so cool. I'm not even with the geek crowd. I'm even cooler than that. Anyway. At that so, point, Firefox had about a 38.7% uh, usage. And exactly. uh, now it's down to nine point something. 
Yeah, exactly. So that was part of the thing. I was like, I don't want to be part of the 38%. I want to be part of the 4%. Um, you know, psychologically not very healthy that. But anyway, so, and, you know, as I mentioned, I was using Chrome, Chromium, and this, that, and the other. And then as I got more and more into uh, proper Linux, for, uh, free and open source software and things like that, I, I thought I'd uh, look back into uh, into Firefox, but I was still a bit hesitant because I'd heard that the performance wasn't as good. And then they came out with a version, Firefox Quantum, I remember. I can't remember what version number that was, but apparently they really kind of uh, streamlined it, you know, got rid of the excess bloat and stuff like that. And so I started using that and I thought, actually, this is really good. I mean, you know, I can use it as my Chrome replacement. You know, I'd, I'll have my own separate account and it will sync and I'll have my passwords and everything like that. And I have tried, tried and tried and tried to make it my only browser. Um, and it's still on all of my machines. It's still there, but it's there as a backup. It's there because I've got almost 10 years history of using it and bookmarks and um, passwords and things like that saved in there. But it just doesn't work well enough um, for it for me to go out to it hundred percent. I would love to. I really would. But you know, things would just happen. And as we were mentioning already, you know, every web developers just make the, the their websites for Chrome really. And and so Firefox being built on Gecko is always going to be at a bit of a disadvantage. And it it'll be it'll be it'll be stuff that it's not even stuff that you can expect. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, you know, um, what Joe was mentioning about, you know, using Ice Weasel and whatever because about DRM and things like that. You know, that is at least something that you could probably expect or might be a problem here or might not be a problem. It's just when you go on to like a normal... I, 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 I remember the thing that really got me was I was trying to get onto a charity site. I was trying to donate for a charitable cause and I just couldn't because I was using Firefox and there was the website just wouldn't work and wouldn't allow me to uh, make my donation. And I had to download a Chromium based browser just to do that donation. And I, it was at that point that I thought, okay, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't just, I can't live in Firefox uh, on my own. You know, it's, um, on its own, sorry. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed, you know. Um, and so that's why I've been using Brave and Vivaldi and stuff like that. But it's there, it's still there in the background if I need it. Um, so yeah, that's that, that, that's my thing. So, you know, it's like, I really want to, I want to make it my all, but I just can't. It's just not good enough, sorry. Okay, well, Firefox is my default and one and only browser. I use the beta in my phones. If a website doesn't load in Firefox, I don't need to use that website. Mozilla has held Gecko exactly to W3C specs, unlike that other web engine. And Firefox includes Mozilla VPN, a rebranding of Moldad, in the hopes of making more money due to losing Google ad revenue in stages, and are looking for more ways to add value to the product, as well as make Firefox features something that their public will feel is worth paying for. And that's about all I got. Why don't we look at another Firefox? Bill? Well, I mean, there, there's been some variants of Firefox out there, which are really just... Most of them have come and gone, and they were really just kind of... Well, you can't take 
for whatever reason, you cannot take the Gecko engine and just build something else on top of it the way you can with Blink. And that has been kind of a problem uh, in terms of development and uh, making, you know, other browsers. I don't know. Maybe they just don't want you to do that. They, if you're going to use the, the uh, Gecko engine, we just want you to use Firefox. Um, but there is one called LibreWolf, which is interesting to me. Because this one seems like an honest-to-goodness, uh, it's what uh, a browser like Brave should be doing. Where it's stripped out anything that could be used to track a person. It's added a couple of, uh, it's added a couple of extensions that increase uh, your privacy and your security. It's got... Uh, DNS over HTTPS enabled by default. It's got DNS or it's got HTTPS only enabled by default. It's got container tabs enabled by default, installed and enabled by default, and it opens in a windowed. Uh, and instead of being maximized, it's windowed, meaning it's like in the center of the screen, because apparently that is another something or other that can be used to track somebody so it will always open windowed by default and there is absolutely no the syncing mechanism is disabled by default because that's something else that can be you know sort of man in the middle and taken advantage of the user so this is this is an honest to goodness browser that is set up to hide every single thing you can do within uh within reason within the limits of the technology that we have and it is up to date and well uh, maintained and i have added a link in the show notes to librewolf.net yeah. for you to look that up and, and spend more attention we've got um, a few other firefox-ish browsers here that we don't really talk anything about uh pale moon gnu ice cat and waterfox that's uh, quick question um do these other uh, versions of Firefox, if you want to put it that way, you know, LibreWolf and whatever, do they have um, mobile browsers or are they no. desktop based? Generally, no. no. They're just browsers. Okay. And do they require, can you do syncing in the same way you can do with Firefox? Most of them. Pale Moon, you can't because it's based on an older version that does not allow for the syncing. LibreWolf doesn't do it because it's. Uh, by design, trying to keep you separate from all that. Uh, so it's, I think it can be enabled, I think it can be used, but it's disabled by default. It's, I mean, you can take, you could argue that you could take Firefox and you could turn it into LibreWolf by enabling things, disabling things, uh, turning things on and off, and, and using it in a manner that is uh, similar to the way LibreWolf operates by default, but here is something out there that is set up that way for you, and it works really well. Okay, well that's about it for Gecko right now. Why don't we move down to page 21 and talk WebKit? Uh, okay, I'll take it then. Go right ahead. <clears throat> WebKit is a browser. Uh, I'm not. Uh, this is Majid's. Uh, a browser engine developed by Apple and primarily used in Safari web browser, as well as all web browsers on iOS and iPadOS. WebKit is also used by the PlayStation consoles beginning from the PS3 
the Tizen mobile operating systems, and the Amazon Kindle ebook reader, Nintendo consoles beginning from the 3DS internet browser, and the discontinued BlackBerry browser. WebKit C++ application programming interface, API, provides a set of classes to display web content in Windows and implements browser features such as following links when clicked by the user, managing a back-forward list, and managing a history of pages recently visited. Some examples of web browsers utilizing the WebKit engine include Apple Safari, which someone described as extremely meh, yeah. So, um, okay. So Apple Safari, uh, WebKit. Okay. So uh, WebKit is a fork of, um, I think it's a fork of some KDE libraries from back in the day. Um, and then it itself was then forked by Google uh, to become Blink. Um, and so it, you know, it supports, it is the, engine and browser of choice on iDevices um, yeah, and Macs as well. Um, in, that means on the one hand, it's quite well integrated into the system. Um, it also means that especially on iPads and iOS devices, the phones, even if you try and use another browser, you will still end up using Safari um, because uh, Apple will not allow another browser engine, won't allow Blink or Gecko onto uh, their devices and so you use you use um, say Firefox you can fire, you can download Firefox for iOS but it's just basically a wrapper around WebKit so that you can still access your Firefox account etc same with uh, same with Chrome actually on iOS as well etc etc um, so having recently you know dab put my toe into the uh, iOS and Mac OS uh, ecosystems. You shoved your um, leg in. Uh, no, well, yeah, well, I have sold most of the stuff. Anyway, um, it is. It's. Um, I, I put in the show notes. It's extremely meh. And what I mean by that is that it works okay. Nothing's fantastic about it. It's. It's only recently started getting features, which were, um, you know, table stakes in other places. I think they were they were quite late to the game when it came to web apps. They were late to the game when it came to tab browsers, all sorts of things. You know, it's it's a very very middle of the road standard. You know, there's nothing that we. I it's bet hard for people like us to be excited about something like that. True, we, true. We can't. We're not. You know, there's no like information channels where they're talking about new features that they're working on and true bugs that they fixed. You know. I, no, I agree, but I, I put it, I would say that if it wasn't for the fact that it was pre-installed, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that um, it's the only thing you can use on iOS devices, even if it's with an, in a wrapper, I reckon not a lot of people would use it. Having said that, I would also think that developers probably like it because it makes things more standardized for making your web page. So what this means is that your web page is even less likely to work in Firefox because they're going to try and make it work on a Chromium-based browser and, if, and they'll also try and make it work on a WebKit-based browser and Gecko, well, who cares? Only 7%. Um, so in that sense, so, so it's kind of like it's, 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 um, it's, it's a nefarious actor in Firefox's uh, life, it, I feel. Um, uh, that's kind of what I've got to say about it, really. Okay. Well, the only other thing that's currently using WebKit is GNOME Web, 
also called Epiphany. Uh, WebKit used to be used by uh, Midori browser, but it has gone to blink, although they still maintain a uh, WebKit version. No, nobody's using it. I have tried Midori recently, and it is an absolute fart sickle. It does not seem to work at all. That used to be a good option for lightweight distributions because it was very light and it was extensible and it was interesting. But then now it just it hardly works at all. It it takes forever to start up, and if it, if it does and it crashes, I don't know. So I've start, I, oh. I tried using GNOME Web uh, recently um, because of the fact that it was on based on WebKit, and I thought, ooh, it's the closest thing you're going to get to Safari on Linux. Whether you'd want Safari on Linux is another question entirely. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I I tried it out. It's fine. Again, I, I would say it seemed about, I reckon five years ago, it would have been up there, but it's five years out of date. It's only recently got syncing now with a Firefox account. So yeah, is, they, it, it, they haven't even been able to decide. They changed the name to web in 2012, but you still have to look it up under Epiphany to find it anywhere. Yeah, so I, so I think that's part of the GNOME. So I've thought, that GNOME is trying to become like a uh, free and open source um, iOS, right? So they get, they have Nautilus, but they change the name to files. You know, they have a web browser, Epiphany, they change the name to web. You know, they, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. Do you know what I mean? Trying to make it as, you know, uh, noob friendly as possible. But the problem is, is you can't just call something web or files. You have to have a proper code name. Do you know what I mean? It was, why of, it was originally a fork of Galleon back in December 2002, but all the time that they spent on this, they still don't have it really usable. Yeah. So my it's, opinion. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's I'm, really I'm, not. I, uh, the Linux project did a no. The Linux experiment did a video where he yes, tried he to did. Use, yeah. Yeah, yeah, did you see that? Yeah, he tried yeah, I did to use GNOME Web or Epiphany. I wish they just called it Epiphany. That was such a better yeah. name. And it just would not, it wouldn't save his place when he would pause in videos or try to move around or whatever on YouTube. It wasn't, it just, it's just not good. So, no, not worth it. I mean, yeah. It's one. Of, it's another one of those things we want it to be better, but I mean, it's a demonstration, I think, if nothing else, in the fact that maintaining a browser is a huge undertaking that oh, yes, really 100%. needs the, the the backing of somebody with some you know sizable resources well and i mean the i mean edge is the best example right you've got edge when it came out with its own browser engine the all the might of microsoft behind it all the billions of dollars and then a couple of years later they're like okay we need to switch to chromium and i mean and, and if microsoft can't do it then what hope does anybody else have, really? Um, if Microsoft anyway. can't do it, they'll buy somebody who already did. I mean, Microsoft <laughs> just came to the realization that, you know, it's not worth even trying when we can just take something that's already made, uh, which is good, and uh, just add our little bits on top of it, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. So Well, let, uh, let's wrap this puppy up here. Oh, yeah. Other things going on. Firefox also implements safe browsing, a proprietary protocol from Google used to exchange data re related with phishing and malware protection. 
Some of the more open source versions, such as LibreFox, stripped this and other proprietary features out. And I think Joe asked if we use anything different for our mobile browsers. Now, Joe? mostly everybody kind of covered this in line already, but, um, you know, I use Chrome on my phone because, yeah, Android device is easier that way. And um, I used to load a second browser. I couldn't find what it was called, though, but it was one of the ones that was meant to be private. And when I did, I only used that when I didn't want uh, a search attached to Google and I didn't want any of the, the history kept because a lot of those browsers um, just automatically didn't save history. And um, so on like start page or something. Attached, yeah, it wasn't attached to an account or anything. And that was the whole point of my using it. So basically for porn, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sure. Um, porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just porn. joking. Well, for Any me, years. Firefox beta has yet to fail me on my phone. Londoner replied uh, early in the show that on his Android, he uses the DuckDuckGo browser, which is also available for iOS, Mac, and Windows, but not Linux yet. I've heard there's some issues with DuckDuckGo browser. I don't know what. I just remember seeing a couple of videos saying about how it was a bit of an epic fail. But anyway. Um, yeah, oh, was... they were selling some information. It was gathering some kind of metrics that was being... Yeah used or sold or whatever and that mm. really yeah. there's also yeah. just been contra controversy around DuckDuckGo for the last couple of years off and on because of the back ends that they use and the deals that they have you know made on on some of the metrics that they are selling yeah mm -hmm. um i mean i've discussed as well but basically i started off on chrome because of android basically and the synchronization it works quite worked quite well now I'm on a, I have three browsers on all, most of my devices, uh, Firefox for emergencies, um, Brave, uh, and recently Vivaldi. Uh, and I generally use Vivaldi now for most things. Um, I've, yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm using Safari on iOS because you can't use anything else. So until I've until these cats go, when these cats go, I won't need to have an iPad for the air tags, and then I can get rid of that iPad, and therefore, and then I can cleanse myself of the dirt from Cupertino. Blame the poor kitties, why don't you? Uh, God blame somebody. Bill, not gonna take not gonna take personal responsibility, am I? Yeah, like I said, I use Fennec that is installed from FDroid and. Yeah, that that's what's sitting on my bottom row that took the place of Chrome. Chrome is still buried in a folder in the apps drawer marked uh, Google. Um, and there is every once in a great while a use case for it. But most of the time Fennec does the, does the job perfectly well when I, and I even use uh, any browser on Android gives you a good, uh, web app the ability to make little uh shortcuts that show up like apps you know and and uh fennec works really good for that too so i mean that's and in fact if I, yeah okay so i guess the samsung browser is still on here and that actually works better for if i've got to run video ninja from my phone i have to use that because it's the only thing that truly has the right permissions to access the microphone and the camera correctly for something like Video Ninja. Um, 
other blessed services, you know, that are obviously proprietary and what have you, will work on the other browsers. But Samsung browser is the only one I have found that works well, which is a good browser. It's it's got a lot of functionality and it's it's integrated really well, but who knows what it's built on or what, you know, anything else about it. So that's all I'm going to say about it here. Actually, I do have Samsung internet on my Galaxy Tab. Yeah. And it, it, it works quite well as, because they're obviously trying to um, make these Galaxy Tab S series, you know, kind of like laptop replacement. So it does, it is, it's a decent uh, browser uh, in that regard. Um, but, yeah um and apparently and you can use it uh, if you use chrome if you use your google account you can get it to sync apparently uh i've not tried it out but apparently you can use that uh to synchronize between that and your um other instances of the browser because you know samsung would love to have the ecosystem locking that apple has for people mm. and we look at vibrations from the ether <laughs> there weren't any um, specifically for the show, but um, Hank Barda, whose uh, thing we read last time on the show, emailed me saying that um, he, he didn't hear his um, stuff from last time. And I believe it was Bill that read it. Um, and I don't want Hank to think that we like forgot about him or anything. So thank you for emailing us. I'm not going to read it all again. Yours was kind of a, a long email discussing um uh github and the things that you do it went there. into 415.5 yeah 415.5 so maybe yeah. when he emailed me that part wasn't out yet but um i just want to make sure that you know we do appreciate you sending us that email and we would love to get email from anybody else and we will read it on the show thank you yeah. absolutely let's move in to check this out We've got a couple of links listed here. No, no details. Why so someone talk, help me about? It. Okay. Well, um, so. I put, I, I put the, the first one there, which is OpenSCAD, which I talked about during uh, my biweekly wanderings, um, and I just wanted other people to, if they want to join me on that journey on on learning a little bit about CAD, to to try that out, and it does work really well on Linux. And I put the other link, um, and that is a link to a video I saw today um, by Chris Titus Tech, uh, where he did a um, a distributions tier list, you know, and it was very, very opinionated. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it just because of that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, if anybody wants to get triggered or anybody wants to hear controversial opinions, then it might be um, uh, just wanted, uh, you know. It, it, it oh, he also to seems watch. to believe there's only 40 distros out there to rate, so. Well, yeah, true, <laughs> true. Um, I'd say maybe uh, 10. I mean, well, the, the, the most interesting, I mean, the TLDR, I mean, TLDR? TLDW, oh, whatever, T too long, didn't watch, um, of it is basically that, just run Debian or Arch, and there's no point running anything else. And most distros are pointless. 
Um, and there's a couple of ones which are good for new users, including Mint and Kubuntu. Um, and that uh, Fedora, Red Hat, Ubuntu, they're all of the devil. Uh, so um, We knew yeah. that. Yeah. I, 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 just, I just thought it was, uh, you know, just, I, I do like someone with strong opinions, even if I don't agree with them. They do give a bit of character that sometimes some of the blandness that's going around sometimes. Okay, so I, that's, well, why, that's why I put that in. That about does it for Check This Out. Housekeeping announcements. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mintcast. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube, post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram and Discord, or post directly to HTTPS, HTTPS colon slash slash mintcast.org. Our next episode will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, July 23rd, 2023. And we have a link in the show notes to get that time converted to your time zone. Our next roundtable live stream is 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time, Saturday, July 29th, 2023. And we have a link in the show notes to get that converted to your time zone. And our live stream information is found at mintcast.org slash livestream. So, wrapping up, where can we find more of you, Joe? Well, I've had a couple of really good podcasts this last week, if you guys want to check them out. Uh, some good discussions going on over at Tilts. That's uh, TLLTS.org. The more really, really good discussions went on this last show on Friday for the Linux Lugcast, which is linuxlugcast.com. Um, you can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org, or you can buy me a coffee on Kofi. And link in the show notes. Moss. Well, I do Full Circle Weekly News every week. Distro Hoppers Digest. We just had a new episode come out. Uh, you can email me at bardmoss at pm.me. I'm on Mastodon as at zyla at hosttalks.social. And then there's my Linux website, itsmoss.com, which also features more contact information. And what about you, Bill? Well, you can email me, bill at mintcast.org. I'm at wchauser3 at fostodon.org on Mastodon. Also, check out my other two podcasts, Linux OTC, which we had a fantastic conversation on the last episode about the whole Red Hat uh, getting caught red-handed. <laughs> and uh, Three Fat Truckers. Links to those are in the uh, show notes. How about you, Majid? So I'm. You can email me at drmajid at mincast.org. I'm on atypical doctor at Twitter. Although I've got to be honest, with the way the Twitter's going, that might disappear. Uh, atypical anesthetist on Instagram and Threads. I have, I managed to get a Threads account, and the atypical anesthetist podcast on Spotify. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who made. Mint- <laughs> Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Bill, for our audio editing, I'm sure he's going to be pulling that down from YouTube. Oh, it's recording as we speak. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. Hobstar for our logo. InitRD for the animated Discord logo. Londoner for our time sinks. Bill for hosting the server which runs our website, website maintenance, and the next cloud server on which we host our show notes and raw audio. And the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. And Co.
This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mint.